are listening to the online sermon ministry of Calvary Baptist Church in the Dalles, Oregon. Thank you for joining us as we search Holy Scripture together in order to edify the church, proclaim the gospel, and glorify God. Now, as I said this morning, we are going to be covering the second pillar of the Advent Conspiracy. Last week, Bobby showed us the first one, and he did a great job at explaining fully worship. Worship is more than just a song. It's more than just a worship service. Worship is an attitude of the heart. We need to come humbly before God and repent. He showed us that Mary's song, she was able to worship God when she heard from God that she was going to bear Jesus. She was going to give birth to the Messiah. She wanted to worship God. She wanted to magnify his name. She wanted to worship fully. And this morning, we're going to be looking at the second pillar of this. This morning, it's called Spend Less. Now, at face value, that may seem very opposite. One, last week we were dealing with some very spiritual things of worship fully, and then this week we're talking about money and spending less. But the reality is, and my task this morning is to show you how actually alike they are. Both of them are dealing with heart issues. And so, this morning, we are going to use some compare and contrast We are going to look at two different kings. We are going to look at how America celebrates Christmas. Did you know that in 2019, America alone, our nation spent over $1 trillion during the Christmas season? That's from Black Friday through Christmas Eve, our nation spent $1 trillion trillion with a T. That is an astronomical number. And the top five things that we actually bought at Christmas time. Number one on this list is gifts for family. That's not a bad thing, right? We want to buy gifts for our family. Approximately $400 billion were spent on gifts for family. The average American household spends the first three months of every new year paying off their debts at Christmas time. These are some crazy, crazy numbers. Number two on our list is actually really interesting to me. The number two item is food and candy. The reason this is so interesting to me is because we just came off of two holidays. Halloween, where we overindulged in candy. And literally the day before this season, we celebrate Thanksgiving where we overindulge in food. And yet, we spend billions and billions of dollars in this month of the Christmas season on food and candy. Number three item on this list would be gifts for friends. So we're buying gifts for our family, but we're also spending money for gifts for friends. And these are, these are people that we know and that we love, but they're also just for acquaintances or co-workers. So you're asked to go to a Christmas party. You buy a gift for that. And most of these gifts are not needed or necessarily even wanted. They're just things that you buy out of obligation. 
billions of dollars worth of gifts are given out of obligation. Number four on our list is decorations. We actually spend billions of dollars from everything from Christmas trees to uh, ornaments to lights to lawn decorations. You name it, we spend it. We want to be festive, and so we go out and spend money. Do you know that the Christmas tree industry, just the live Christmas trees, those ones that they've cut down every year, is a $1.1 billion industry? You'd be hard-pressed to find another industry that has a month-long period in which they collect so much money. That's just for live Christmas trees, which are considerably less expensive than the fake ones. And most of these decorations only come out for that time period. Number five on this list is actually kind of funny. It's Christmas cards. For those of you who are millennials or younger, this is actually a piece of paper that usually has a picture on it that you write on and send in the mail. It's a physical thing, not not something you send digitally. But think about that. Billions of dollars are spent on Christmas cards that we keep for the season and then toss. Now, none of these things are bad. In fact, these things are good. It's good to connect with people through Christmas cards. It's good to be able to buy gifts for family and friends, to be able to decorate during this time of celebration, to be able to have this time of gathering together with food and candy. These are all good things. But in America, we are way out of balance. America has truly become a consumer nation. Consumerism overrides all that we do. Think about this. Every generation, we become accustomed to everything that our parents have. And when we become accustomed to this, this becomes something that we just deem as necessary. And then we want to go and get more. And yet our parents did without more, and their parents did without more. But every generation pursues more and more and more. This is never more evident than at Christmas time. We are truly a consumer-driven society. And it is, has made its way into the church. We are constantly seeking for more and better and bigger This morning, we are going to be looking at Luke chapter 2. This is the classic Christmas story. This is where everyone goes. If you would go ahead and turn there in your Bibles or on your device, we want to read through the first seven verses. Many of you have read this. Many of you read this every year out of tradition. Uh, This is very well known. But this morning, as we look at this, I simply want to compare and contrast the two kings that are mentioned here. So starting in Luke chapter 2, verse 1, it says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem 
because he was of the household and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed. He was with child, and while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Now the first king that we're introduced to in this passage is Caesar Augustus. He is the first emperor of Rome. There are many different innovations that he is credited with, like the road system. He created an interlocking system of roads so that trade could happen faster, therefore increasing people's wealth. Caesar Augustus is also known for doubling the size of the empire from the time that he took over as emperor to the time that his successor took over, the empire of Rome doubled in size. It can easily be said of Caesar Augustus that he is consumer driven. He is always seeking more and more. But even more than that, you see, Caesar Augustus believes himself to be a god. He is the nephew of Julius Caesar, the previous king or Caesar of Rome. He is the adopted son of Julius Caesar. And he has given himself, Caesar Augustus calls himself the son of a god. The legend says that when Caesar Augustus was born, all the Roman gods were so pleased with it that they made a star shine above his place that he was born. The legend says that heralds were sent out to all of the prominent Roman citizens, to the religious leaders. And these heralds said, we bring you great news that today a king has been born who will bring about peace to the world. Caesar Augustus is credited with bringing about the Pax Romana, which is the peace of Rome. But how did they go about this peace? This peace is through conquering, right? There was only peace once you were a subject of Rome. When you obeyed and complied with what Rome said, then there was peace. And Caesar, Augustus, was never satisfied, always seeking more, when asked how much is enough, he, always, he would say, even more, a little more. There's never enough. Does this not sound like us in America? When we look at the fact that new phone models are made every year, new models of cars are made every year, this isn't simply because old ones are becoming obsolete. This is because we desire more. We desire the bigger and better option. And yet we're also introduced to the second king, King Jesus. But it's very, very different. You see, Jesus is actually born in a barn. He's actually laid in a feeding trough. It doesn't get any more lowly than this. When we read through this story, we have this idea that Mary and Joseph were actually turned away because there were so many people there that there was no room for them in the inn. 
that they show up late and there's everybody has filled the town because everybody's coming in to be registered. And this very well may be, but it's also probably because of the scandal that is around Mary and Joseph. You see, we're very, that the Bible is very clear to say that Mary is betrothed at this point. She's not married yet to Joseph. This is scandalous. For any unmarried woman to be ready to give birth is actually something that's punishable by death. You see, people are thinking one of two things. They're either thinking that Mary has been unfaithful to her betrothed, or they're thinking that Joseph couldn't control himself and got Mary pregnant. No doubt that the story of this scandalous couple has reached this hometown of Bethlehem. No doubt that people would be saying her story of being pregnant by the Holy Spirit, that's, that's way too far-fetched. It has to be one of these other two options. <clears throat> and yet, we see that even though they are being turned away, even though there may not be room for them in the inn, people are also afraid to even have them here. They don't want that scandal around them, so they turn them away. But this is all part of God's plan, that Jesus, who is God, the king of the universe, is actually born in this way to fulfill prophecy and to show us that he has come for all mankind. You see, when Jesus is born, Emmanuel, God with us, there was a star that was shining above that barn And that star stayed with Jesus so that it could lead foreigners to him. On the night that he was born, there were heralds sent out by God, heavenly angels, to the shepherds, to the lowliest of society. When you read on in this chapter, you can see that they declare in all their brilliance that Jesus has been born this is, this is God's way of saying that he is willing to go to the lowest of the low. That he is willing to incorporate foreigners and invite them to come in and worship Jesus, the Son of God. This is the Christmas story. This is the way that Jesus intended for Christmas to be celebrated It's very different than about consumption. Instead, it's about inviting people to come in and worship. So what does it mean for you this year to spend less? Does it mean to spend less money? Does it mean to buy less gifts? Does it mean to spend less time and energy focused on those uh, traditions that we have? I can tell you, in our family, we have a tradition at Christmas time. My wife will spend a lot of time and energy making tomato juice bread. Now, that might sound weird, but this is fantastic. A piece of homemade tomato juice bread that has some cheese on it that's in a grilled cheese sandwich. Oh, that's the closest to heaven that we'll get down here, trust me. And I know that this is a tradition for us. I know that this is Christmas time when this tomato juice bread comes out. 
But is it still Christmas if we don't have that? If she spends time baking this bread for other people and I don't get any, can I still celebrate Christmas? You see, we have to start thinking in our hearts. How do we celebrate Christmas? You need to ask yourself this question. Is the way that I celebrate Christmas, does it look more like Caesar or does it look more like Jesus? Are we actually inviting people to come and worship? You see, we need to stop using people to get things. Instead, we use things to get people. See, we don't spend less to be able to keep more for ourselves. We spend less so that we can give more, an idea that we're going to cover next week. Right now, we just simply need to ask, what does it mean to spend less? Where is my heart in this celebration of Christmas? Am I truly celebrating Christ and his birth the way he intended by inviting people to come and worship him? Will you just join me in prayer? Father God, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much that you came, Jesus, that you came to earth to live a completely sinless life, perfect in every way, that you were murdered on a cross. You willingly gave yourself up in our place that you took upon the cross my punishment so that I may be able to have an audience with God. You defeated death and you will come back as the reigning king. We praise you so much for this gift. May we at this time truly in our hearts worship you and celebrate you this year the way that you intended by inviting people to come and worship you. Thank you. In your precious and holy and wonderful name we pray. Amen.